Hi, I'm Marlon Walker and I'm live from Pelham's Wasteland and today I am back with another episode of the podcast. Um, it's been almost a month since uh, I did the last podcast episode, um, or I released the last podcast episode that was uh, according to Anchor on July 5th. Today is August 2nd and I expect this to go up today or tomorrow. Um, I have recorded a couple of uh, things in between, but kind of each time what has happened is I've recorded for a little while and then sort of felt like I lost track almost and I didn't really like what I was recording and, and decided to scrap it. Um, I suspect as much as anything, one of those things that happens just as you get kind of out of practice with something like this, um, but I'm hoping that that doesn't happen this time and that I can kind of do it all through and and talk about some interesting stuff and then put it out and all of that so anyway um i think the main thing to talk about uh today is just kind of what's been going on with me what i've been kind of thinking about and working on and all that sort of stuff um some amount of rpg stuff although not not that much rpg stuff i've been kind of working on a couple of RPG related or RPG adjacent things, um, but I've also been working on uh, a number of other sort of real life projects and things like that. And, um, that's been been good, um, but it's not necessarily kind of within the the scope of this podcast in terms of going into kind of the full amount of uh, depth and, and kind of talking through all of that. I guess is the, the way to put it. So anyway. Yeah, um, I guess without further ado, let's get into it. So, what has been going on with me? Um, well, like I said, there's kind of a number of things that I have been doing and working on. Um, I guess the, the sort of place to start is that I have um, been, I think, doing a, a really good job of getting back into reading a lot. Um, I had mentioned in a couple of podcasts before that uh, one of the things um, that had been sort of going on with me is that I think that when I was uh, really kind of at the sort of worst parts of my depression that I had been reading a lot and that that was sort of a coping mechanism, right? It was something that I enjoyed and that I felt like it was a good kind of... Um, mental exercise and, and, and helped me to cope with depression. Um, and that after I started getting better, um, especially started kind of taking, um, medicine that, uh, helped me and then also, uh, doing kind of nowadays, not just medicine, but also the kind of full, uh, full spectrum of, uh, essentially behaviors that uh, help me, you know, trying to be really diligent about exercising regularly, trying to be diligent about, you know, eating healthier, because I feel like that has a major effect. All of these kind of different things that end up kind of adding up. Um, one of the things that sort of happened is that I almost, uh, I think, it sort of subconsciously ended up a, feeling like I did not need 
reading as much and, and B was worried that if I continued to kind of uh, read so much that that would become a sort of uh, almost like a something that would would rather than boosting me would cause me to feel worse um, I think it's a not uncommon experience certainly one that I have found that you know you kind of create habits as a response to particular situations but then sometimes when the habits last longer than the situations the habits can actually kind of perpetuate or bring you back to those um, particular kind of feelings and, and, and emotions and, and mental states and all of that sort of stuff um, I think about for instance with uh, my beard I have a number of times uh, shaved it but for the most part since about senior year of high school I have had my beard kind of in a state of either full grown or growing right that I've shaved it down sometimes but I haven't really kept it shaved for very long um, and one of the things that I realized, um, maybe, I don't know, two months ago or so, maybe a little more, is that I, at times, would kind of pick at my beard when I felt nervous, um, and basically that, you know, I had, I would sort of scratch at my beard when I felt nervous, but then scratching at my beard made me feel nervous also, right? That the sort of, a, like I said, a, a habit that had developed based on specific circumstances and then now the, the habit itself sort of perpetuated those circumstances, right? Which is obviously not what you want with negative uh, circumstances, negative emotional or mental states like anxiety, like depression, all that sort of stuff. Um, and I think that for me reading was uh, similar that I, it's not that I didn't read at all, um, but I read a lot less and I read a lot less uh, consistently is I think the big thing that I would, you know, have a, a month or two of, well, even often less than that of kind of reading more regularly, right? I would like go on vacation and be like, oh, I'll take my Kindle and I'll read a bunch and I would read a bunch and then get home and not really read much at all anymore. Just kind of be like, ah, oh, that was a thing that I did on vacation, but now I'm you know, back to my normal routine. And I kind of eventually paid enough attention to realize, well, that's, you know, pretty goddamn silly, right? Because I, I love reading and I really enjoy it. It doesn't make any sense to sort of allow a history of depression to take away reading, if that makes sense as a way to describe it. That what I needed to do was to figure out how to read more without having that be something that kind of brought the depression back and I, I think I've done a pretty good job of that um at present I uh at first had kind of fairly low or low for me reading targets as my my kind of thing but I've gotten a lot more um aggressive and uh think Goodreads says I'm, I'm somewhere in the realm of 15,000 pages this year um, so that's pretty good um, and I've been you know enjoying 
reading a lot and I've read a bunch of things, read uh, a couple of, I don't know, it seems like for a while there, uh, a couple of days ago, I had kind of a streak of, of not so good books, um, but seems like I'm back on to uh, more kind of good books and so that's been fun. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, the, the big thing is not necessarily kind of reading any individual book, although plenty of the individual books I've enjoyed and I've um, been rereading a fair bit. That's sort of one of the places that I started is that I thought I would just, you know, reread books that I really, really loved and knew that I loved as a way to kind of, you know, combat the possibility of depression to be like, okay, well, these are books that I really love. Of course, many of the books that I really love often have a somewhat depressing quality to them but I you know felt like it was worth that and um ended up enjoying that and then some of the new stuff I read um HD is the the, the sort of name that a woman named Hilda Doolittle wrote under um published poetry um, and she, I don't remember exactly the story, but I think she was, uh, engaged to Ezra Pound at one point, and then they decided not to do that, and then she may have actually married D.H. Lawrence, or, I don't remember the whole story of her biography, but was sort of in this kind of circle of modernist writers in her lifetime, um, and is underread, unfortunately, kind of of them. Um, and I read Helen in Egypt, which is this sort of poetic, uh, meditation on kind of mythology and, and mythological symbolism and all of that that is based on a, uh, a sort of myth or legend that was present within the ancient Greek world that basically said that Helen, as in Helen of Troy, Helen, Helen of Sparta, who was abducted by Paris and became Helen of Troy, um, did not actually spend the Trojan War at Troy, but that instead somehow she was um, spirited away by Zeus to Egypt and spent the 10-year duration of the war there in Egypt and the Helen that everybody interacted with in Troy and that was visible on the ramparts was this image of Helen who was not a, a real Helen. Um, which is, is, is fascinating. I don't, I don't know where that particular myth came from exactly within um, Greek thought and I don't know if it is possible. Part of it is that because we've lost so much material from the classical world, it may not ever be possible to figure out precisely where it came from, but it is reported um, a couple of different places, although not in, it, it's fairly clear in Homer's Iliad, it, it seems that that's not what we're meant to understand, but that there are other sources, later sources that talk about this myth. Um, and anyway, so the, the point of all of this is just to say that uh, the, the Helen in Egypt by H.D. Hilda Doolittle was absolutely brilliant. So, so good. Just just incredible and wonderful and, and so perfect. And just one of those things that I just just had a copy on my Kindle and was kind of scrolling through the library on on there because I'm uh, over at my parents' house right now. I'm staying over here 
to take care of the house and to take care of Clover the dog while they are on vacation in Italy. Um, they were uh, in Rome and are now in Tuscany. Um, some friends of theirs from high school have this thing that they kind of came up with of, of basically renting out a, a villa in Tuscany and then um, a number of couples could stay together there and, you know, just kind of hang out on vacation in Tuscany. Um, and originally it was scheduled for August of 2020, um, and then of course didn't happen then, and then got pushed to August 2021, and didn't happen then, and now it is actually in process. Um, so glad that they're getting a, a real vacation. Both of them have been uh, terribly busy with work stuff and real life stuff for far too long now, so I'm, I'm glad that they're getting a real vacation, and I get to hang out with Miss Clover, yeah, you, uh-huh, you have fun rolling in the grass, you, she always does this, we're out in the backyard, and she goes, and she rolls around in a section of mostly dead grass, so that she gets covered in it, so that then she can come over to me, and I will rub the grass off of her, you know, she likes that, so, anyway, um, but anyway, I'm, I'm glad that they're getting vacation, and I'm over here, and, but that was part of, I was just sort of going through and seeing kind of what I had preloaded onto the Kindle, and saw Helen in Egypt, and decided it would be fun to read that, and it was just incredible, magnificent, so good, anyway, um, so I'm going to pause the recording here and be back in just a minute. All right. So I have moved from the backyard to the living room. I'm sitting on the couch with Clover now. I've got to hold the phone with one hand so that I can use the other to scratch on her and rub on her. Because otherwise she'll try to lick my face to let me know that she wants some loving. And then, you know, of course... I like her, but when she licks my face, my face ends up smelling like dog breath. Um, anyway. So, yeah. It's been good. Just been, uh, reading a lot. Um, what else has been going on? I'm, I've been exercising, uh, a fair bit, which is good. I feel like I've been, um, I feel like I sort of went through a period where I was not as, uh, kind of diligent, about exercising and I'm sort of uh, getting sort of back into being really more diligent about exercising and kind of um, making it happen every day sort of thing. Um, especially one of the kind of big things is I uh, have been doing some research and one uh, guideline that I read about was basically talking about the value of kind of total time spent exercising um, and was sort of suggesting that, you know, oftentimes because most of us are busy and, and are sort of, you know, thinking about kind of how much time you spend on things that you might be tempted to try to, you know, decrease your total time exercising while still doing kind of just as much working out um, as a way to, you know, presumably get as good a workout or better workout because of sort of more intensity over less time sort of thing. Um, 
but basically this uh particular um article was talking about the value of spending more total time in kind of exercise mode heart rate up and and doing whatever it is that you do for exercise um and i've been uh trying to sort of embrace that idea um a little bit well um one thing i've noticed it feels like it takes a lot more out of me at least some days that I end up, uh, you know, feeling like I'm just sort of more thoroughly worn out, partly because I'm doing kind of more total exercise to take up more time, and partly, I think, just because of the, you know, kind of being in exercise mode for longer sort of thing. But um, I also feel like it's been good for my health and all that sort of stuff, so that's been really good. Um and uh yeah i've been doing some other stuff i've been i feel like doing a better job of kind of doing some creative stuff too um i have not been writing as much especially kind of for the past couple weeks as i um not as diligent about writing as i was at one point um but i'm sort of uh spinning back up on that one getting getting sort of back into the uh swing of writing i guess um and that's been really good and then i've been i um i got some uh drawing stuff i just went on amazon and and found um some really nice kind of drawing sketching paper pads um that are i don't remember what they are 68 pound weight i think paper so they're nice heavy duty paper and then I also got the um I found what I thought was pretty cool a set of drawing mechanical pencils that are um mechanical pencils but the lead is much much thicker so it's more like a kind of um a lead in a sort of normal pencil um and then they have different kind of uh right HB H is for hard and B is for black so you get number B and then HB in the middle and then number H. Um, and so the H's make for kind of more kind of fine lines that are lighter and the B's are, are softer graphite. And so they make kind of, you know, heavier, almost more like drawing with charcoal and stuff. Um, so they have a couple of different kind of lead or, or graphite, um, forms I guess for that sort of stuff and then also one of the things I thought was interesting is that the uh because they're mechanical pencils there's been they're they're heavier than normal pencils um but they're kind of uh balanced a little differently that the the weight distribution is designed so that the pivot is right where you hold the pencil um for drawing and so part of the um idea is that unlike uh a kind of a, a a wood around graphite pencil where as you sharpen it you're cutting down the total size of the pencil part of the thing they were advertising is that the you know the the weight and the weight distribution always stays basically the same because it's a mechanical pencil that as you use up graphite you just put more graphite sticks in and then that um you know means that you can kind of get a a more kind of consistent drawing um, thing with it, which I, 
I don't think I'm good enough at drawing to be too worried about that, but I thought that was an interesting idea, and I, I tend to um, appreciate that kind of uh, material weight for, for art projects and stuff. I tend to like having that kind of sense of the, the kind of physicality that comes with the the weight of, you know, like heavy-duty paper and heavier pencils and all that. I don't, I don't know why that is, but that's just something that kind of speaks to me. And I've been doing a little bit of origami. I haven't been doing as much as I um, was hoping at one point, but that's been a lot of fun also. It's, you know, I, I really, I think one of the things that I really like about doing origami, especially now, is the way that it um, takes focus, but it doesn't really take decision-making, if that makes sense, that, you know, in terms of kind of a, a artistic, creative project, essentially, that seems to capture some of that value of, of creativity to me, and it requires kind of focus on the project, but you don't have to actually make any decisions, right? That once you know all of the folds that you're going to make, you just go through the folds, and it you know, it's not as though the folds kind of happen automatically, right? You have to be, you know, diligent and disciplined about kind of, you know, making sure that the folds are accurate and increasing everything and all that sort of stuff. And so it's not as though you can do it kind of totally, you know, not paying any attention to sleepwalking, but it is kind of a different sort of paying attention than some other kind of creative stuff I find that I think that's part of what is... uh difficult for me about writing is that I feel like I feel like I'm pretty good at writing but that the actual process of writing well for me is uh arduous that um and that it's difficult for me to kind of turn off trying to write well if that makes sense that I you know I sort of don't have an easy way to just not care about like you know the specifics of the rhythm of the words in a sentence or something, even for, you know, like, you know, mediocre work emails and stuff, you know, stuff that doesn't, doesn't really need a lot of kind of attention to artistry sort of stuff. And that that's just something that is kind of part of the way that I think about the written word, I guess. Um, and that therefore there's something kind of nice in origami about, being able to kind of sit and focus on something, but not actually having to kind of, you know, make any decisions about, you know, it's not like you're going to do a different fold this time because it's always the same set of folds, right? At least for, for any given particular thing, right? For a crane, you always do the same set of folds. You can sort of change up the kind of flow sometimes, and there's some, sometimes there are like secondary folds that you can make that are not necessarily always as necessary not always as necessary but can be used for like guidelines for other folds and things like that um so there is you know you're not necessarily always going through exactly the same motions but at, at the core you're kind of you know go through similar steps to get a similar result sort of thing right you don't really have to make decisions about like what you want the final product to look like or anything um and i enjoy that element of it quite a bit so anyway um and then i guess the the last kind of big thing to talk about is rpgs i have um since i've been over here uh, i have not 
had any way to record uh, YouTube videos, and I obviously can record the podcast on my phone, um, but I haven't done anything with YouTube, um, which has been a sort of nice kind of enforced not worrying about it, I guess. Um, I had a, a kind of major plan for a major project for the month of July, and then ended up not really doing that. Um, I had some real life stuff that came up uh, in July and that ended up kind of um, not necessarily souring me on that project but I sort of felt like I um, had other priorities I guess in in the kind of classic way that in kind of moments of relative tension or relative crisis, right, that sort of when things are good, it's easy to kind of distribute your resources without a lot of thought to kind of, you know, resource versus value, value invest, return on investment type stuff, but that when the kind of margins get tighter, that you need to pay more attention to kind of, you know, what is it that you get out of things and what do you care about and all that, and can't necessarily or or don't feel like you can necessarily be as kind of laissez-faire about just kind of doing things because they have been done that way and I think that's a, a a common thing that I've run into is this idea of kind of having moments that cause me to sort of realize that um the way I had been behaving for a time was sort of on autopilot on some level um And that, you know, it wasn't necessarily the end of the world, but that once I kind of got out of autopilot, it was easier to see like, hey, wait a second, this, you know, I'm, you know, I, you know, have, for instance, like these, you know, I've been, you know, playing these games or reading these books or or whatever, and I'm just not having a lot of fun with that. Why am I doing that? And that's a, a sort of thing that I've sort of recognized at times. Uh, There's a, uh, a dude, uh, a streamer that I watch online that I remember him talking about um, playing Dota, Dota 2, um, which is just a, a video game. A MOBA is the name for the genre. Um, and he was talking about how he and his wife at one point got into Dota and would play like two hours every night for months. And then, you know, after, you know, like six months of like two hours every night playing Dota, he sort of looked at his wife and said, hey, is this like making you happy? She was like, no, I hate it. And they were like, yeah, you know, why why are we spending so much time playing this game that we end up feeling worse after we play it and then stopped? And that I was like, okay, so that's, you know, I I think that's a thing that is uh, remarkably common or, or certainly is something that I can empathize empathize with a lot this idea of having kind of you know done something and just had it be a habit and not realize kind of until you take a second to step back like hey wait a second this isn't this isn't any fun like why am I you know wasting all my time and energy on this bullshit that I don't enjoy um and it was it's not entirely just that there's also some uh element of the sort of uh, way that the the real life chaos elements sort of manifested in terms of uh, anxiety on my part and uh, 
uh, things like that that I think were also factors. But but basically, it came down to that I um, decided I I didn't necessarily decide to kind of totally cut off, um, but I sort of ended up obviously not posting on the podcast. And I wasn't doing really much anything with the YouTube channel, and I played in a couple of games, but not um, not too much, and certainly nothing like what I have uh, been able to maintain in terms of a schedule at other times, and basically ended up just kind of uh, downgrading a lot of that stuff, and I'm uh, sort of picking some of it back up. Um, I've been working on, I've got a a sort of idea for a, um, a sort of homebrew hack kind of thing of ICRPG Master Edition, um, where one of the kind of core conceits, because one of the ideas in ICRPG is that everything is in turns, and there's this kind of discussion of this idea that you can have um, different time scales with turns, right? So, like, you know, when you're in a city just kind of carousing each turn is a week but then once you get into the wilderness each turn is a day and then once you get into the dungeon each turn is 10 minutes and then once you get into combat each turn is six seconds sort of thing right this is kind of idea of everything is in turns but the turns have kind of different scales um and one of the things one of my ideas with that is okay so what if you did something with uh action economy within there Right, the idea that kind of normally everybody gets one action per turn, or I don't remember how it works. So it's one action plus a move. Anyway, um, I think, but anyway, the the idea is sort of being, well, why not? What if like that was sort of your class thing? Is not necessarily that you had like a higher um, bonus for an attribute or something like that, but if you had more actions when you were doing something related to whatever your kind of class thing is, right? So, like, if you're a, a fighter, you get to make two actions, two attacks in combat turns. Or if you're, like, a thief, you get two chances to pick a lock sort of thing. Um, I thought that's kind of an interesting idea, so I've been working a bit on that. Um, and then a couple of other things um, I was reminded of. So there's this game that my buddy uh, Jason, Jason Connerly of the Nerds RPG Variety Cast has talked some about, and I um, have not gotten too much into it, called A Dirty World by Greg Stolze. Um, and it's, or Stolze, I don't know how you say his name, S-T-O-L-Z-E. Um, and it's for kind of noir role-playing, um, kind of, you know, hard-boiled detective fiction and stuff like that um and one of the ideas in it it uses the uh one role engine which is what um godlike and uh wild talents and rain and a couple other games use where it's it's you roll a handful of d10s and then you match things together like if you roll multiple threes those get collected together sort of thing um, and, uh, one of the kind of interesting ideas is that all of the kind of character attributes, or at least most of the character attributes are paired attributes. So you have kind of, as you get better at one thing, you get worse at something else kind of idea. Um, and then there's a, a more recent game, 
that I saw on drive through that I also got called Witch Blood, which adapts some of the kind of core elements of that system into a sort of medieval fairy tale setting that is kind of based on uh, Eastern European and Russian uh, fairy tales. Um, and I've been really interested in both of those games um, and, and kind of reading up on them and doing some stuff with them. Um, and then the last kind of big thing that I've been doing RPG-wise, I've got this idea for um, something a little bit like what I had been, one of the things I've been thinking about doing for some time, which is this idea of having like a whole kind of, you know, a number of different games that are sort of within the same like specific genre or that are perhaps, you know, designed to cover kind of similar ideas, right? Like a bunch of superhero games. And the idea is to sort of do like a, a sort of short solo session with each game, not necessarily playing through kind of precisely the same story, but kind of going through some of the kind of elements of sort of here's kind of how this game works, if that makes sense. Um, and here's, you know, here's kind of, uh, have something as a way almost to kind of compare different games um, by doing kind of a similar, almost like a, a kind of benchmark for uh, video game terms. I guess benchmarks are more for technical specifications, but I think you know what I mean. This this idea of kind of, you know, do like a, a short, you know, an hour long um, adventure with the the game and sort of take it for a spin and then have, you know, a, a number of games all comparable, uh, kind of take them, take them all for a spin, basically, as an idea. Um, and my idea right now is to do that with kind of sword and sorcery games, um, just because I really like sword and sorcery games. And I've been kind of uh, looking at a couple of new ones and things like that. Um, so I don't know what's going to come of that. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what I'm going to do with all of that. But I thought it would be kind of an interesting idea to uh, do something that is kind of designed to look at, you know, I don't know, 10 sword and sorcery games maybe. And just kind of, you know, maybe one per week kind of go through and talk a little bit about here's how the game works and, and do some kind of test playing and have, you know, some amount of like conclusions of, yeah, this is sort of what I thought about playing this particular game in this sort of sword and sorcery vein and how well it worked for kind of capturing what I see as the nature of, of sword and sorcery storytelling and all of that sort of stuff. So anyway, I thought that would be kind of an interesting idea. Um, yeah, but I think that's everything. I think that's most of the big stuff that's going on with me. Um, I've been not, uh, completely out of the loop, but I have, uh, not been interacting as much on Discord either. Um, so I hope that nobody feels like I've snubbed them or anything like that. Um, I did a couple days ago, I got to talk with, uh, or was it? Was it just yesterday? I think it was just yesterday I got to talk with um, Che Webster um, of Roleplay Rescue, my good buddy 
Che Webster. Um, we got to sit down and chat on Discord for a little while. Um, and it was great. We did not talk about uh, RPGs as much as I think we uh, had kind of expected to. We ended up talking more about kind of some, some real life stuff and a fair bit about kind of uh, sort of philosophy of teaching and stuff like that. Kind of what sort of matters when, when teaching and stuff like that, which is another kind of thing that I've been thinking about a fair bit. Um, but it was really great to talk with Che about that because he has been a, a teacher now for a number of years um, and teaches kind of religious studies is the kind of broad heading, although I gather that there's a, I mean, there's a fair bit of kind of philosophy in there and a number of other disciplines um, in there as well. And it was really interesting to kind of chat with him about sort of what he does in terms of all of that and what he is interested in and what he thinks is is kind of important when talking about you know teaching especially young people um who are you know impressionable and you want to you know equip them effectively for being you know an adult who is able to you know, analyze their surroundings and make logical decisions and all the different things that we would hope that adults are able to do. And, you know, many of those things are uh, difficult to teach, right? Much, much easier to teach, like, how to do basic arithmetic than how to do, you know, kind of sort of, you know, meaningful, like, analysis of the truth, right? There's a sort of relationship there, but you know, learning how to do two plus two equals four is different than learning how to do when somebody says, you know, when somebody makes a specific statement, how to kind of analyze that and say, well, is that actually a, a true statement or not? That's kind of a, a different level of, of awareness and analysis. And anyway, it was, it was really great to talk to him and really nice to, to chat with him for a little while. Also, just as a a chance to hang out with a friend so that was great um and yeah i think that's i think that's basically all of the stuff that i wanted to tell you guys about um i don't know I, things are going pretty well like i said i i'm feeling uh really good in terms of my kind of personal health um both kind of mental and physical um my uh the uh a, a chunk of the kind of real life chaos that I was talking about was related to uh, health concerns in in relatives, especially my grandparents. Um, and I am happy to report that they are all doing a fair bit better. They're not none of them, I would say, are quite a hundred percent, but definitely doing better than they were for a time, which is is really um, a major source of relief for me. Um, and yeah, I've been, you know, just exercising and reading and working on RPG stuff and working for the man, unfortunately, a little too much, but you know, that's kind of the way it goes, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I've been, been doing really well. So anyway, I hope everyone listening is, uh, also doing very well. Um, hope everyone is able to, you know, stay safe and healthy and have lots of fun gaming or reading or whatever it is that you do for fun. Um, yeah, I really, I really hope everyone is 
is doing well. Hope uh, nobody has uh, uh, been missing my podcast too much. I, I think feel like my um, everyone that I've talked to has been very understanding about me talking about um, taking a, a break. And I am glad, especially this time, that I, I feel like I did a better job of at least kind of announcing that I was going to take a break instead of just disappearing for a while. Um, I didn't do that as much for the YouTube channel, but whatever. It's baby steps and all that. Um, but yeah, I hope, I hope everyone is, is doing well. I hope everyone is uh, staying safe, staying healthy, having lots of fun gaming or reading or whatever else. And yeah, if uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can leave a message on Anchor. You can shoot me an email. You can message me on Discord. Um, you can message me on Twitter. All sorts of different ways. Um, but anyway, I've been Arlen Walker. I've been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care, everybody. <laughs>